And welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. Now welcome your bitchin' hosts, Jerry and Tracy Polly. Alright, welcome to episode 28 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. Uh, of course, I'm Jerry Polly, and I am joined by my co-host, my wife Tracy. What's up, y'all? And tonight we're going to talk about a very cool story: the Winchesterton Fieldville House in San D- San Jose. Is it on San Jose? San Jose. I thought that was the house on Mr. Deeds. Oh, remember yeah. when he saw, he found that house that the lady? Oh yeah, that's right. That made was, up. That was the Winchesterton Fieldville house. This is actually the Winchester house. Um, some people call it the Winchester Mystery House, but oh. I don't think when Miss Winchester lived there, she called it a mystery house. It was just a house. Yeah, it was home. probably so. And as Bon Jovi said, there's no place like home. Or something like that. It was one of his horrible songs. I thought songs that was on that. The Wizard of Oz. No, shit. What are you tripping on? I don't know. Let's just move on. Obviously, <laughs> I don't have my shit together tonight. Um, let's talk about some cool stuff happening this week. First and foremost, on tonight's show... We have an interview with one of my podcast idols, Mr. Phil Holmes. Woohoo, Phil! He is the host of Scared Podcast, and uh, you guys are going to absolutely love this. I'm sure most of you already listened to his podcast. I've been touting it now for for weeks, and and he uh, uh, is somebody that's he's got tons and tons of listeners out there. He is one of the big guys in the paranormal field, and uh, I absolutely love his show. Been hooked on it from the beginning. And he was a very awesome interview, one of the best I've ever actually mm-hmm. had the privilege of doing. And he's a pretty cool guy on top of that. And uh, I bet we talked for about an hour and a half. The interview's about 30 minutes long. Um, but he's just been a super nice guy. And he's helped me out and Tracy out tremendously, helped our show out. And uh, I couldn't thank him enough. So, uh, and, and you guys are going to love this interview because on his show, you get to hear him kind of interact with the other uh, storytellers on the show, but he kind of takes the background to it. And instead of taking the forefront, he lets the callers take the forefront. But on this interview, he actually talks about some experiences he's had, and you get to see the real Phil Holmes. And he's, uh, like I said, he's a classy gentleman, got a good sense of humor, and you're going to have a lot of fun with him, especially if you like British people, people like I do. Oh, and I love his accent. It's awesome. Um, this week, and this is this is another big thing for us, Wednesday, uh, we did an interview this past Sunday with History Goes Bump with uh, Diane and Denise over there. Speaking of people who've helped us out tremendously, those guys have, or gals, I guess I should say. Mm-hmm. And um, they're going to have us on this Wednesday show, the 22nd. We're talking about Bobby Mackey, but they talked a little bit about us personally. We talked about some of our experiences. We talked about Bobby Mackey's, and we talked about the show. So we hope you guys are already listening to their show, uh, but we especially want you to listen to this Wednesday show so you can see that. Next week's show, I know I've got a lot of stuff, but these these keep getting better. We want to bring you guys the best week possibly can, so we're kind of expanding our horizons. There is a podcast that I highly recommend, another British um, podcast called The Unexplained, and it is the very first paranormal podcast I ever listened to, fell in love with it, and uh, the host on there, Richard McLean Smith, joined me for a sit-down uh, interview a couple of days ago, and we're going to play that interview next Sunday uh, coming up. So lots of good treats for you guys. We're trying to get some of the, the better podcasters on here. 
So let's go all the way back to the beginning. In 1862, she married William Wirt Winchester. His dad was lieutenant governor of uh, Connecticut, and but he was also the manufacturer of Winchester repeating arms. Okay. Now, that's the most famous rifle ever made. Mm-hmm. And it was actually nicknamed the rifle that won the West. Oh, interesting. So, I mean, it's, but you're talking about late 1800s, you know, 1850s, 1860s. This is when rifles were really becoming popular. So you can imagine if you had a rifle compared to at this time they were battling the American Indians who had bows and arrows and what have oh, you. Yeah. They didn't have any weapons, so it was easy to, to, to you know, kind of conquer your foe if you had this. So that's that's why it became so, uh, famous, so famous, yeah. and that's how they became so rich. Gotcha. They had something nobody else had. They got married. They had a little girl. Everything was happy, you know, happy for them. But four years later, in 1866, they had an infant daughter, Annie, and she died of a mysterious disease called marasmus. Marasmus. Which, yeah, I've never heard of that. But when this happened, obviously uh, Sarah fell into a very deep depression. Yeah, of course. And she never really fully recovered. Mm. To make matters worse, 15 years later, her husband worked, died of TB. And she didn't know where to turn because she was still depressed. Fifteen years later, she's still depressed after this oh, kid, gosh. and now she's she's left with no family. So she only had the one the yeah, one child. There. She only had the one child, oh. and uh, this is where it takes a surprising twist on it because she then sought help from a spiritualist for the first time. Now, this spiritualist told her that the family and fortune was being haunted by spirits, specifically spirits of American Indians. Civil War soldiers and others killed by the Winchester rifle. Really? Yeah. And she told Miss Winchester to move west to Beverly Hills, that is. Swimming pools, <laughs> movie <laughs> stars. <laughs> no, she she moved west, but she actually moved to San Jose. Mm-hmm. Um, but they told her to, that they wanted her to build, the spirits wanted her to build a huge house for them to appease them. And that's what the spiritualist told her. And I told her, as long as construction on the house never ceased, she could rest assured that her life would never be in danger. In fact, she would have everlasting life, which obviously was wrong because she died in 1922. Well, she probably did because she was exhausted. Well, I don't think she had to actually do the construction herself. Well, I know that, but still, in her brain, in her mind, she was like, oh my gosh, if I don't keep this going, then... I mean, that would be depressing in itself. Now, when she moved in, she moved into, it wasn't San Jose, really. It was Santa Clara Valley. It's about three miles west of San Jose. 1884 is when this happened, but for the sake of the story, we'll say San Jose because that's the mm-hmm. next closest town. She purchased an unfinished farmhouse, and over the next 38 years, she continuously built on it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Come on now. Now, how was she able to do this? She had unlimited funds because when her husband died, she inherited $20 million, 777 shares of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company. Then her mother-in-law died in 1897, and she got another 2,000 more shares. Wow. Just to give you an idea how much money that was, she then owned almost just under 50% of the company and was averaging $1,000 a day. In revenue, oh. not counting what she already had in the bank. That's amazing. Now let's keep in mind when she purchased the house, the area was pretty rural. The house only had eight rooms, but by 1900, it was already a seven-story mansion. Wow! But you know, eight rooms is a lot. 
Yeah, I mean, it was a farmhouse, which farmhouse usually had a lot of room. Now, the estate eventually grew to 161 acres of farmland, which included orchards of plums, apricots, and walnuts there to supplement her income Mm because she didn't have enough money coming in. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, here's a fun fact that nobody actually cares about, but she also owned homes in Palo Alto, Atherton, and Los Altos. Wow, that's that's a lot. Apparently, that's not much of a mystery because nothing gets told about those homes. Wow. Now, the combination of her wealth and eccentric building project, as we'll call it, started many rumors between the locals. She was a very generous woman. She paid people to work on the house $3 a day when the going rate was about half of that. So, That's cool. Yeah. She donated to money to many orphanages and Good. local charities and, and anonymously. She didn't want to, the so, credit yeah. for it. I don't know how she donated anonymously, how we know that she donated <laughs> Well, that's true. I'm pretty sure everybody would have figured it out anyway. I mean, she's the only one that's got probably all that money back then. She welcomed children into her um, the grounds to play, eat ice cream, and play the piano. That is nice. So she's a nice chick. She, she was Michael Jackson before Michael Jackson. Oh, she was very nice. I like her already. But on the other hand... Uh-oh. <laughs> She also wanted to be very secluded. So one of the first tasks the gardeners had to do was to, to build these tall cypress hedges around the house. She kept her face covered with a veil. This is kind of cool. And when she was out, like if she'd go out somewhere, she would be in like the um, um, the horse and wagon and stuff. And people oh. would bring the stuff out to her. But she always had a veil on, so nobody knew what her face looked like. And they're saying... That anybody, any of the, the um, uh, people who worked for her, if they ever saw her face, she was automatically fire them. Well, how can they not see her face unless she just stays in her room 24-7? She kept a veil on her face all the time. So if they ever saw her without her veil, a servant well, or something, they, they would let go. She shouldn't. Well, apparently she didn't have her veil on all the time if somebody would have saw her. But there was some strange... Did she have acne? What? What I, was she doing? I have no idea. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. I don't know what goes on in Winchesterton, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) But there were some strange occurrences that went on. Neighbors would hear a a bell ring at midnight and 2 a.m. every night, Hmm. which, according to ghost lore, uh, are the times that arrival and departure of spirits. Oh, I thought it was three. Well, that's, I I don't know. Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, the three is like demons. Oh, yeah, we don't like demons. It was said by a servant. That she never slept in the same bed for two nights in a row because she was trying to fool the spirits. She she never wanted the spirits to know where she was sleeping. Well, luckily she had enough rooms to choose from. Yeah. At the center of the house, she got she had a blue room, and every night she would go in there and do seances and try to communicate mm-hmm. with the spirits. And this room only consisted of a cabinet, a table with a pen and paper, a closet, and a spirit board. Okay, I have something to say. Cause so you said she skipped from room to room to try to avoid the ghost, but then you said she went to a blue room to conjure up a ghost. So what is the deal? Well, she was speaking to the spirits because it said that she would go in there and wear one of thirteen special colored robes, and she would receive messages from the spirits that would actually tell her how to build on the house. So she didn't have any set plans for building on the house. Everything so she, she did was guided by the spirits. Oh. Well, they must have been some crazy butt spirits because, man, that house is crazy. <laughs> Just, <laughs> well, let's, let's talk about the house itself. 24,000 square feet, 160 rooms, 
rooms. Rooms, ah. Yeah. I tried to do it like it was Buffalo or something. It just... (laughs) (laughs) 2,000 doors. 2,000 doors? 2,000 doors. Oh, my gosh. 10,000 windows, 52 skylights, 47 fireplaces, 40 bedrooms, 40 staircases, six kitchens, three elevators, two basements. This one's cool. They had 13 bathrooms. Each bathroom had 13 windows. Each window had 13 um, separate window panes. 13 ceiling tiles. What? What? Yep, 13 ceiling tiles. Every bathroom, there were 13 bathrooms, and each one had multiples of 13. Oh, I thought you just meant like 13. No. Period. No. I don't know how many periods she had. But anyways, (laughs) about this whole house, out of all that, she had one shower. One shower out of that whole big, huge house. But I guess, like I said, in the nineteen early 1900s, showering wasn't something that people did on a regular basis. They take baths, which I think is absolutely disgusting because you're just laying there basically soaking in your own filth. Well, I take baths. Well, and it's disgusting. When you get up, everything that's floating on the top, that's skimming on the top, then comes right back on your body. Ew, stop. <laughs> it's like a giant boiling pot of yeast or something. Ew. So let's talk about how crazy this house is. There are doors that open into walls. You open a door, don't try to walk at it because you could be sadly mistaken when you slam right into a wall. There's doors that open to the outside, but there's several floors up. Oh my gosh. So you open it up and you're standing looking straight down at a drop. Oh my gosh. There's one door that opens up and you would draw like you would drop like four stories to the kitchen below. <laughs> I mean, it's just a weird... She's got staircases that go nowhere, including one of them that goes straight up to a ceiling. She's got some that go down like seven steps, and it goes takes a diagonal and goes right up 11 steps. goes nowhere. So if you're drunk and coming home to that, you're in big trouble. Well, that's that brings up an interesting situation. The tour guides, they have to warn people not to stray from the group, or they could be lost for hours. Oh, my gosh. These halls wind and twist and turn... And they literally, they said you could, you could, it could go miles if you got lost. You could actually walk for miles through this house, through the hallways and stuff. So they're just literally building crap just to be building it. And there's no rhyme or reason to any of it. Right. And when she died September 5th, 1922 of heart failure, everything just ceased. Oh, no. Well, well, that's, but that's, she was done. So they said that even the workers working on the house, even they would stop with nails half nailed in. They just, wouldn't even finish They wouldn't even the finish nail? nailing the nail and they oh, just stopped. Oh, man, I want to go to this place. But she literally had people around the clock. There was always some type of construction going on. It's funny because even on all that construction going on in, two, in uh, what I almost said 2006, in <laughs> 1906, there was an earthquake that destroyed a big part of the, the house. It was actually bigger than the, than the 160 rooms that it ends up being now. But there was a big tower that was destroyed, and she felt like it was the spirits telling her that she had spent too much money on the front of the house and not the back of the house. Oh, my gosh. And are it you was, kidding? Yeah, it was nearing completion. Wow. That, wouldn't that be something and terrible if the whole house was just destroyed in that earthquake? And then she'd have to start all over again? Well, she would probably feel like, that. They, you know, hey, cool, I, I was wondering what I was going to do next. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So... They say now that, that when you're there, there's all kinds of spirits. People people say you can feel cold spots when you're in there, that mm. uh, you can see Miss Winchester. She was a little lady. She was only like four foot nine or something like that. That's my girl. And uh, But 
that they say you can see her down there. You can see her in the windows. You can see her walking around. And wow, you know, but, but she's it seems like such a nice lady. And you know, I don't know. It's just I just think it's I would. You guys have got to pull, uh, pull up that house. Yeah. On the website because the pictures inside are insane. Just Google Winchester Mystery House and I'll try to put a couple of pictures on the uh, uh, our uh, Facebook page. Which, by the way, we need more subscribers to our Facebook page. Just go to Facebook, look up Hillbilly Horror Stories. Uh, more Twitter followers, Hillbilly Horror. And uh, you can go to our website and listen uh, at, what is it, hillbillyhorrorstories.com. Yeah, that's right. You think I would have the, stories in your face. I should have this stuff down so pat, but I get tired of saying it, I guess. <laughs> uh, but also, you know, when you're on the website, don't forget that you can um, uh, buy T-shirts. we got a bunch of cool T-shirts for sale. It helps the show out. helps us offset some costs. And you can also um, send a, just a donation, a one-time donation. If you just want to send a couple of bucks and don't want a T-shirt, we can do that. Uh, we're going to get ready to get into our interview with Phil Holmes. But first and foremost... I thought it'd be funny because we had some people talking about um, the other day that they like Tracy's twang, especially when she used it to speak Spanish. So I thought it would be funny if uh, we pulled up a rap song by 2 Chains and just have her read some of that. I wanted to hear how that, that came across. So Tracy, if you would, go ahead and give us a, a little 2 Chains. Oh man, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> Bitch! Sit down. You got a bad addy. Gave her the wrong number and a bad addy. You ain't going down. Nowhere like a bad navvy. Ass so big. I told her to look back at it. Look back at it. Then I put a fat rabbit on the craftmatic. What the hell does that even mean? Craftmatic, a bed. Oh. That wasn't very good, guys. Sorry. <laughs> Trust me. I've heard the 2 chains version. I'd much rather hear that. I don't know. I was trying to bob my head and maybe try to wrap it, but it wasn't coming out that way. So So anyway, we thought it'd be kind of funny to, uh, <laughs> to have her do I a little... I don't think I have a twang. Well, that's that's cute. <clears throat> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh. Now, see, that's what sets us apart. Most shows would probably cut that out. Not us. We'll just leave it in. He just choked on his spit. <laughs> so, like I said, I want to get into, uh, I want to go ahead and get this Phil Holmes interview going. You guys, man, I'm telling you, you're in for a treat. And thank you guys. I know we do this every week, but thank you guys for everything you've done. We keep uh, we keep moving moving along, moving along up into rankings, and, and you guys are the reason for that. Please keep sending us the iTunes reviews. That's what does it for us. Good and bad, and <laughs> I, I understand. I had a bad review. We got we've had one negative iTunes review out of fifty five, and then, and it said that the topics and the stories were good, but Tracy's laugh was very annoying. They couldn't have just said annoying. They had to put a very in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't help it. This is the way I laugh. So sorry, sorry guys. You can't change that laugh? I, I, <laughs> there you I'm go. Bad. So that'll be the new laugh. We'll see how many uh, <laughs> how many we get on that. So we're going to go ahead and, and uh, let me introduce this this coming up here. This is the Phil Holmes uh, interview. I'm excited about this. I think you guys are going to love it. So let's listen to this interview now. And then we'll be back to uh, do some shout outs. All right, everybody. I am excited because I'm actually uh, joined for one of our uh, rare interviews by Phil Holmes, host of the uh uh, scared podcast and he also hosts a new podcast which we're going to talk about here in a little bit and get the word out about that phil thank you so much for joining me today jerry it's it's an absolute honor it's uh you know there's not many people doing what we do 
and uh, to come on, have a bit of a chat, a bit of a gas with you, is uh, is an honour, sir. Thank you so much for asking me. Oh, I greatly appreciate it. Like, I've, I've told uh, anybody who, who listens to this show, there's just a couple of, of podcasts that I'm addicted to, and Scared Podcast is definitely one of them. And uh, you are, you are, to me, you're one of the, my idols in this business, and one of the reasons why I wanted to start doing podcasting was because of your show. So I greatly appreciate your time today. Oh, hey, it's it's my honour, sir. It's uh, it's tea time here on a Sunday as we do this, and I can think of nothing better. I've made me meatballs, Jerry. My hands are covered in mints, and I'm I'm now ready to talk to you about the paranormal. Are you going to watch the Super Bowl today? That's the question. No, that's an American thing. We, you know, in the UK, we don't understand it. It's men wearing more clothes than my ex-wife used to on a Saturday night, running for two minutes and falling over. But then. I love the showbiz of it. We all know about the, uh, you know, the Super Bowl adverts, the whole, you know, if it wasn't on at two in the morning, you bet I'd be watching. I love it. <laughs> That's right. I forgot there's quite a bit of time difference between the, the two of them. Let me ask you this, Phil. Let's let's talk about your interest in the paranormal. Where, where does this start from? Well, you know, the whole thing of Scared is, and for anybody that hasn't listened, uh, my little line is everybody has a story and, and we all know people we all know people at work people in our neighbourhood who everything happens to them they dress in black and they look moody and you know it's constant footsteps and doors creaking and we all think yada 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 but for me it was the fact that I think and I, and I love chatting to people I love stories I think everybody everybody has one thing that's happened to them that they can't explain. You know, it could be a noise. It could have been a light in the sky. It could have been not even them, actually. It could have been a member of their family who went, you never guess what happened last night. It was really weird. And they tell the story and that's it. And and that's how Scare was born. I, I remember being, I, and I mentioned this briefly. I don't really talk about my own experiences. But I remember, I remember being about five years old in 1977 and I'm guessing it was Star Wars that come out at the movies. And um, my dad had promised to take me, and he didn't. And I was so upset about it. I just remember going to bed and some sort of white mist over my bed. And it was a long time ago. Let's forget that. Let's move on another, I don't know what, nine years. And I'm at school. I think, uh, yeah, in America you call it high school. And we had a teacher, and it was textiles, it was needlework, it was sewing. We, we had to do it. And, we, and all the boys hated it, of course. We'd sooner be out playing um, soccer, as you call it. But she would tell us stories. She was very prim, very to-do. You know, you know, she spoke very much like this. And we'd sit there sewing soft animals, and she'd say, Well, you know, class, in my, uh, in my, in my, in my home, the ghost was back. Whoa, needles were down. And she'd tell us these stories as a bunch of, whatever, 13, 14-year-olds about what was going on in her house and, and mainly sort of poltergeist stuff. And, you know, the, you think back to sort of, you know, the mid to late 80s, no internet, uh, not, certainly here in the UK, I think we had four television channels. We, we didn't, we weren't exposed to all this sort of paranormal stuff. So being a 14-year-old boy, this was amazing. And you know, last night, my, the covers on my bed were pulled down again. And we'd all have a giggle. 
And I thought nothing of it. She then left the school, you know, I then didn't have to sew up aprons and uh, pairs of socks anymore and went on to study something else. Never thought anything more of it. Anyway, absolutely true. Paranormal, not part of my life. And then three years later, I was at college and it was in law. And I was studying law and um, we had a lecturer in who was about 356 years old. And... um, we were, I don't know if it was near Christmas or something like this, and she started mentioning weird things going on at her house. Anyway, thought nothing of it. I did awful in law. I was terrible. I was appalling. The world's worst law student. And she offered me and a couple of other students to go around her house in the summer for extra tuition. And... Again, it's, you know, it's always weird whenever I have guests on, on Scared and they, you know, from America and they talk about, I say, how old's your house? And they go, wow, it's really old. It's like three years old or a hundred years old. Well, this was the countryside in England and our house, I'm guessing, was about 600 years old, without a doubt. The original cottage, it was a thatch roof. You don't know what that is. It means it's made of straw. It's the sort of thing that... Whenever people think about, I think, the English countryside and stone cottages with straw on the roof and on a box of chocolates, it looked like that. Um, And I went round one day, and uh, so I would have been 17. So this is like three, four years after, you know, my son, Chutra. And uh, my law lecturer was trying to explain, you know, the precedent of the civil law of, I don't know, pulling down your trousers in public places or something. And there was this almighty crash from upstairs. And being an old stone cottage, it was all wooden floors. This blam, just like a dresser falling over. And I mean, I dropped, I think, my pen, my notebook, and probably my breakfast when I heard this. And she just, it was like it didn't happen, Jerry. She just carried on. And then a couple of minutes later, I heard this door slam. The sort of slam you do when you've, well, Jerry, you know this, when you've read when the missus you know, when you've had too many cans of bud, and bam, slam. And I looked at her, and she went, and, and you could tell she was embarrassed, and remember, she is 400 years old. <laughs> and she looked at and she looked at me, and she said, look, it's a bit embarrassing, but it's the ghost. And I went, of course, anyway, back to the law, love. And then I think there was uh, there was some sort of smash, some sort of you know cup, mug, glass, something, and I and I stood up in a bolt and I went, "What on earth is going on?" Well, I think for most of your listeners, they put two and two together, and I said to her, "How long have you lived here?" And she said, "Well, we've we've only lived here a couple of years." I said, you don't happen to know who lived in this house before you. And yes, you guessed it, dear American listeners. It was the same house. Now, you think of the chances of that. It was a teacher at school when I was about 13, 14, teaching me how to sew up a pair of underwear. And then it was my law lecturer five years later. Didn't know each other. What's the chance of me having her as a lecturer and choosing that subject but I was in the same house and then I left terrified and never went back 
never thought anything more of it. And I think a lot of people listening now think the same things. These things happen to us, Jerry, and we just, we can't explain them, but we think, oh, you know, something else happens. Um, and then three years ago, um, my grandmother passed away. And my dad, who's been a teacher all his life, 74 this year, very straight, very English, um, no interest in the paranormal, um, he phoned me one night and he said, um, the weirdest thing happened last night. And I said, yeah, go on. He said, you know my, my hi-fi? And for younger listeners, they'll have no idea what a hi-fi is, but <laughs> literally a 1980s hi-fi where, and Jerry, you'll remember this, where the sort of CD player was maybe on the bottom, then there was some cassette players, and then you have the tuner, the radio, and then there's a record player on the top. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, Walmart would have sold it. My dad's still got one of these, because it still works. Um, and nothing digital on those. If we remember in the old days, a, a tuner, to tune in a radio station, you turned a big fat knob. And volume was the same. You would turn a big round knob to get the volume. So it would stay there. It was It was kind of mechanical. And he phoned me about... Well, probably two years ago, actually, and said, the weirdest thing happened last night. I said, what? And he said, um, the hi-fi came on downstairs in our, in our living room, in our lounge. And I went, right. And he said, well, it was like three in the morning. The hi-fi came on. He said, the volume, you know, the, the knob with the volume, which had a little mark on to show how high the volume was, he said it was in the same place, but it was deafening. It couldn't have been any louder. It was playing a CD. It wasn't track one of the CD, as you would imagine. If it had been like a power surge and it had just kicked this thing off, it would have just played uh, track one. But it was something like track three of the CD. It was Nora Jones, the beautiful sort of blues artist. It was my grandmother's favorite song. And he said he turned it off, went back to bed, thought nothing of it. And you know what's coming next, dear listener. Ten minutes later, he gets a call from my grandmother's nursing home, and she passed away. Wow. Now, that were, now I, get, I get sent similar stories like that from all around the world now, but that was two years ago. That was my dad, 74, teacher all his life, very straight man, you know, and... Um, Never spoken about it again since, but that was him sharing something with me. And then it reminded me of my experiences. And, I, and again, I thought nothing of it. And I was in the playground, taking my son to school, and I was talking to uh, one of the mums in the playground. I'm one of the mums, Jerry. I'm one of the soccer mums in the playground. And, um, and I was saying, you know, I think, I'm thinking about doing this show on the paranormal. And um, she said, oh, I don't believe in that. Nothing's happened to me. And she's a very educated woman, works in uh, fitness. She's a school governor. And I said, well, I kind of think, I won't mention her name, but uh, I said, I kind of think something's happened to everybody. And she said, no, nothing's happened to me. And I said, are you sure? She said, no, nothing. Well, there is this one thing. And I said, come on. And she went, well, two months ago, our dog died. And the dog was like 12 years old. And the whole family were devastated. And she said, we have wooden floors in our house. 
And the day after the dog died, and we took the dog to the vet and said goodbye to the dog, she said I was. she was sat in her home office and she could hear the sound of, like, dog claws on the wooden floor downstairs. And it lasted a couple of minutes, like the dog was just walking about. And she thought, no, she's, you know, she's just really upset. And then the next day it happened again and she called out the dog's name. And the claw scratching on the floor became louder, like the dog was running towards her. And she called out the dog's name. This is almost going to get me upset, actually. And she called out the dog's name and she said, look, it's all right, we miss you, but, but you can move on. And she's never heard them since. And that, and it is the combination of those stories, made me think there's going to be people all over the world, including you, that have maybe just one story. And that's how Scared was born. It's it's funny, Phil, because if you the story you told about the hi fi going off, if my listeners will know that we told a very similar story, uh, literally second or third episode when we talked about some of my experiences, and I had the same thing happen to me when I had a, uh, a surround sound go off in another room middle of the night, uh, just started blaring. It never worked again after that point. And then I found out the very next day that approximately that same time, one of my best friends was killed in a car accident. So it's a very I, similar situation. I know. And I remember hearing you talk about it because it was it was a similar time that um, me and the kids moved out of the family house and I got a little apartment. And uh, one night I was lying in bed and I could see out my bedroom door and I saw my daughter getting out of bed and uh, walking towards what would be the bathroom. And I was wide awake, because I, I know I was, because I was in bed writing. So, you know, it's not a dream. And after about five minutes, she hadn't come back. And um, I got out of bed to have a look. And the lounge door was closed, and she was fast asleep. But I saw her. It wasn't a spirit figure. It wasn't a black shadow. It was just her. And um, we had awful curtains. Um, so, so even at night, the apartment was quite bright. And then the very next night, just like your story, just like mine, I remember being woken up about half three in the morning and our television was on at the loudest volume possible. Same story again. And lots of your listeners now are going, that that happened to Jerry, that's happened to Phil, it's happened to me. Uh, The telly was on. I thought, you know, maybe one of the dogs had stepped on the remote or whatever. I got up, I got to the lounge door it was closed there was lights coming from around it from the television but like something from close encounters i opened the door of course there's nobody there the remote were where we had left them now that television i've had for five years so for four and a half years before that it's never done it it's now in my bedroom it's never done it but one night i saw my daughter second night the telly came on now i don't know of anything that's happened around that time but that now makes me think jerry there has to be something you know it's just like your story isn't it yeah they i mean they communicate you know people say spirits communicate through electronics and like i said i've had a couple of incidents where it's happened and like you said so many other people have written in they've had experiences so there's got to be something to it phil let me ask you this the one thing i really like about scared is you 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 blend two things 
uh, that most shows don't do. You, you have listeners on who tell their stories, but then you actually interact with the listener um, and, and ask some questions where so many of the other shows, they don't, they, you know, they, they'll read the stories and that'll be it. And then they'll, they'll give their advice on what they think happened or their point of view. Uh, but with you, you actually talk to the listener themselves and ask questions. What made you decide on doing that format when you came up with the idea for the podcast? Well, it's a great question. I mean, after 25 years of doing radio here in the UK, I, I always try to present a radio show. And this sounds arrogant, but actually stand back and realize it's not. I always try to present a radio show like I would like to listen to it. And I think... I think often, Jerry, people don't do that just with life. You know, if, if you're going to make mac and cheese, don't make it as, you know, Gordon Ramsay tells you how to make it or, you know, uh, your recipe book does. Take it how you want to make it. And, and that's what Scared was about, that there are shows that get guests on and they just talk and it's the end. There's shows that get guests on and the host never shuts up. And he interrupts constantly. And I've always hated that, actually, on, on talk shows, on American talk shows, where, you know, I want to hear what George Clooney has to say, not what the host does. It's, all, it's okay every now and then to, you know, interject and ask a question, and hopefully the question the listener wants to know. But you know what? If somebody's taken the time, if somebody is kind enough to give you 10, 15, 20, 30, an hour of their time, let them tell their story. And I, and I often think, you know, like I've just done when we've started this, often with these sort of stories, it's not simple. It's not one thing. I was at home and I heard some footsteps. It's never that. There's always something more to it. And, then, and when I started Scared, um, I got people to record them just into their phone. You know, they could be private. They could, well, Jerry, let's be honest, they could sit on the toilet and do it. Hmm. Um, and probably a lot of people did especially our Swedish listeners, um, and, and they sent me the stories. But then I worked out, I wanted to ask something more. So then we started doing it, you know, on Skype, as you and I are chatting now. Um, and we know there's some people that just bang on and on and on. And it gives me the chance to, uh, what did your wife say, go and make a sandwich? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or pop to the toilet. Uh, but I love that, and I never mind that, because in their minds... They've got a story to tell, and they don't want me to interrupt. They just, they want it out. And I find doing Scared and the way it's evolved to what it is now, and, and for our Catholic listeners, they will totally understand this. It's like a confessional. Uh, and I, I don't wish to offend anybody by this, but I think it's the best way to describe it. I think so many people, I tell, I tell you what, Jerry, most of my guests never talk to me again. You know, we've communicated on Twitter or Facebook or via the website or they've emailed me and we've got to and fro and I find out about the story and, you know, reassure them that people around the world would like to listen. And the minute they've recorded it, before the show even goes live, I never hear again. It's almost like they've just wanted to share it. I'm not going to take the mic. I'm not going to be rude. I'm not going to judge, which is some lovely feedback, actually, I've had recently. I don't judge. I don't make them feel stupid. I leave it for our listeners to make their own mind up on whether they believe a story or are interested in a story. I just, 
ask questions that I think listeners would like to hear. And I think, well, it's like what you do with yours. You, you sort of, you pull it around you, don't you? We all go to the supermarket, we go to the store, and you buy, I don't know, you buy a coat, you buy a jacket for the winter. But we all wear it differently, don't we? You don't when you get it home, but then you decide just to put the hood up or take the hood off. And that's what you do with your show, and that's what I've done with mine, and I think we're scared. It's People are sharing something very personal. Paranormal investigators want to bang on all life that they're wearing black and they've gone in some mental asylum or hospital and something happened, and you think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> next one. Not all of them, by the way, not all of them, but some I speak to. What I speak to are normal people, people like you, people at home, where one thing's happened, you know, a hi-fi's gone on, and then they find out their friend, the next morning their friend had died. That's our stories. So I just let them tell them. That may be one of the few times anybody's uh, referred to me as normal, so I appreciate that compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so you Scared's been on the air for a while now, but you've got a couple of new... Uh, ventures out there one of the one of the ones i want to talk about was you started um, a facebook group uh and that thing's really starting to take off now i'm starting to see the members climb on that um what made you what made you go to a group rather than just a fan page well you know it's great i, I don't like facebook I'm, I'm almost 45 you know and uh I, I twitter i love i love the instancy of twitter i love the fact um, you know, you can send something out and it's a short message and bam, people have got it. And I love that interaction. But you, you have to be on Facebook. And we, I create a page. And, but you know what pages are like. People just go on, they like it. And you can post things in your page. And, you know, there'll be people listening now to understand the difference of this. And I didn't. You go on Facebook as John Smith and you are John Smith. But if you go on as John Smith the florist, you create a page for your business and Facebook look at that very differently. There's, there's different areas that you can create that page into what you can show and Facebook basically want you to spend money so they can advertise your Facebook page to other people. That's how Facebook pay the bills and uh, they're very good at it and they can target people and that's what we did. And then I was talking with a friend of mine well, about a month ago, a friend in New Hampshire, and he said, Phil, you need, a, you need a group as well. And I went, look, I can't manage what I've got. I'm almost 45. I can barely get out of bed in the morning. And he said, no, no, no. He said, if you've got a page, if somebody likes you on Facebook, if they then send you a message, it's sort of hidden away often. With a group, if somebody wants to share something, you know, something's happened, something paranormal, it's there. Everybody can do it. So, I don't know, was it about a week ago, I uh, took a deep breath, tightened the belt, went to the toilet, started this thing. And, um, well, you've seen, Jerry, because you and I have been involved with it. There's, uh, you were talking about your show on there. We've, I've got a lady in the UK who's taken some incredible UFO footage just with her Android phone. And she can post it straight on there. doesn't need to go through me. And we've had some competitions. Uh, it's all been good fun, hasn't it? It is. It's been a lot of fun to be able to just communicate back and forth with other members of the group as opposed to the site you just put something on there and it is what it is. Yeah, and that's what I love. And, and, and you know, um, actually one of, my, one of the listeners that interacted the most with me, weirdly on, on Twitter, this is almost a bit paranormal, 
um, I worked out after a month, lives about a mile away from me. And he thought my show was made in America, uh, even though I'm English, but he thought the whole thing was American. And I sent him a message one day and I said, you know, I'm about a mile away from you. And I noticed he posted today. He wants to listen to podcasts like yours, like mine, wants to do it on an Android phone. We know on an iPhone it's easy because Apple wrap it around you. But when you've got an Android phone, it's a bit harder. He posted in the group tonight, I want to listen to podcasts uh, like Jerry's, uh, but I've got an Android phone. And my goodness, within five minutes, he'd had about 20 replies. And I think that is just fantastic. That is community, I think. Absolutely. Now let's talk about the, the other new venture, which I'm kind of excited about. You've started a new podcast that's you know completely different than what Scared is called Legend. Tell us a little bit about uh, the thought process behind that. It's, it's definitely a shorter podcast uh, as opposed to some of the other ones, but tell us a little bit about the thought process and your fascination with, uh, I guess, the folklore, the myths, and the legends that, that got behind this idea. Well, thanks for asking. It's There's lots, lots even, of podcasts out there about legends and myths and folklore. And some just tell you the story straight, some go into great depth about behind the scenes. And of course, they are all marvellous. And I love them all. But for me, I just wanted the story. I didn't want the razzmatazz. I didn't want the bells and the whistles. And when I make scared, I, I throw in lots of bells and whistles. But when it comes to legends, I just wanted the bare bones, the facts. And... It's what we now want, I think, often as a society. We, we need the facts now. We don't buy so many newspapers now. We want to put on a, a news channel, Fox News, CNN, something like this, and we want it bam, 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 bam. You want to get it in like one minute, two minutes, five minutes, and be out of there. And I'm also biased because I grew up in southwest England. So 10 miles from where I grew up is Glastonbury. Now, lots of your listeners will know, of course, for the music festival every year. But Glastonbury is famous for the tour. It's famous that there is a bush in Glastonbury, which is said to be grown from a uh, thorn that came from uh, Jesus's crucifix. And Joseph of Arimathea went there and, and put the thorn in the ground. And that is now the tree. Glastrum is also very famous for possibly being one of the final burial places for King Arthur. Every year, I take the kids on holiday to cabins, and of course in America you know all about cabins, but the cabins we go to are in Sherwood Forest. And I stand there once a year with a cold beer in my shorts in Sherwood Forest, which of course is famous for Robin Hood. And there's so many of these stories, and I've grown up around them. And where I am sat now, I am sat 10 miles from Durham. And of course, you have a thousand Durhams in the United States, but the original Durham. I am in the part of England that has more castles and medieval castles. We're talking castles of, you know, 600, 1,000 years old. There's more around me than anywhere else in the country. 20 miles from me is a very famous one called Annick Castle. And that's where they used originally in the first Harry Potter as Hogwarts. I mentioned Durham because, again, for your listeners that know and love Harry Potter, it was all filmed in this area. Wherever I've lived, where I was born and where I live now, 
just surrounded by legends. Not so much folklore, but certainly legends. And I thought, you know, I'm telling these to my children. There are wonderful other shows out there, but I just wanted to do something myself. Just get out there and do it. And, yeah, we've done five now. Um, show four was The Legend of Santa Claus, as you called him. But did you know, Jerry, that Santa Claus, as you Americans call him, was a Dutch word? I did not know that. You see, you would have learnt that with me in four minutes. <laughs> and I know you Americans have a very slow attention span, so, and quite rightly so, you're listening to me now saying, shut up, go cook your meatballs. So, no, no, so I did, here we call him Father Christmas, but now our children know him as Santa Claus because of all the American media that we get. But actually, Santa Claus is a Dutch word, and it, Santa Claus and Dutch settlers into the United States then brought the name Sinterklaus and he became Santa Claus. There's something you didn't know, Jerry. Maybe not, but I know about seal people now. <laughs> yeah, well, do you know that, <laughs> yeah, the new one. And, and it's, it's uh, you know, in, in Scotland they call them selkies. Um, but for me that was just, you know, women that come out of the sea take off their furry skin and are beautiful. And it's similar to sort of mermaid stories. I thought and you were going to say that was similar to uh, uh, having eight or nine beers at the bar where it looked like some of the women that originally came in and uh, fur <laughs> shed that light from them beer goggles. Yeah, I, I think maybe in those days it would be nailed, but you're certainly right. Yeah, it's the beer goggles. But I just think we all have these favorite stories don't we we all do and for me it was about releasing something where i just read them out they're three four minutes long it's like a a short story and that's legend well i absolutely love it um i'm, I'm going to be like every other listener and say hey i wish there was more but hey i understand time restraints productions and what have you and and the other podcasts you got going on I love Scared, one of the best out there. If, if anybody out there hasn't listened, and I can't imagine that most of my listeners haven't or aren't already avid listeners, but if you haven't, check out Scared Podcasts, Legend Podcast. You can find them through any search. Phil, how can people get a hold of you through social media and groups? Just give me a quick rundown of the best ways to uh, contact you. Do you know, I always love this, you know, on, uh, on podcasts where they tell you how you can contact them and it takes four and a half hours and it's longer than the actual show. The easiest way, dear Jerry, is if you just go on scaredpodcast.com, you'll see a link for social. You can see where you can find us all. It's the same with legendpodcast.com. If you go on Facebook, put it in, you'll find it. But either way, the websites are the easiest. Absolutely. I appreciate your time so much today. I will say my favorite part of the week when I joined your group on Facebook was seeing the picture of you and Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> yeah, didn't I look fat? I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's uh I love the shirt though. No, it was it was a funny one because you get in America, don't you? The what you used to get Kitchen Nightmares. Did you ever watch that? I watched, I am a Gordon Ramsay freak. I watched Kitchen Nightmares, the BBC version and the American version. I watched the Hotel Nightmares, I think is what it was called, where he was on that. Uh, Hell's Kitchen, Master Chef. If, he, if Gordon Ramsay's on it, you can bet I'm watching it. Well, I, I'm going to correct you. It wasn't a BBC production here. It was, uh, it was an independent production for a, a channel we have called Channel 4. Um, but, um, yeah, I was doing a radio show, and uh, one of my listeners, a bit like I do, was scared, phoned me up, 
It's all about trust. And said, uh, Phil, did you know Gordon Ramsay's in this part of the area? And I went, really? And of course, you know, they keep all this sort of stuff quiet, don't they? They don't want lots of people turning up. And uh, being a big fan at the time, and well, still am a big fan, but being a fan at that particular time, I drove out, went to this pub where he was doing a Kitchen Nightmares, uh, spoke to the TV producer who said, no, you're not talking to him, you're not getting involved. And I said, um, well, look, a couple of photos, five minutes of his time for my radio show in northwest England. No, you're not doing it. And I said to this TV producer, stay involved with the show. I said, hold on a minute. I said, I could have said this morning to hundreds of thousands of listeners, Gordon Ramsay's at this particular public house, this pub, doing a Kitchen Nightmares. I said, you would have had 50,000 people down here. You don't want that. You want a shot of Gordon walking across the car park, walking in the pub. I was respectful for you. I expect you to be respectful for me. No, we're not going to help. And I said, well, that is disgusting. I said, I I can phone my radio station now. I said, this will be on air within 30 seconds. You know, Phil Holmes is down in this car park in this little village in the English countryside, and Gordon Ramsay is filming. I said, we'll have 50,000 people down here. No, and she didn't care less, Jerry, walked away. And I was stood next to, and I actually think, ironically, it was a Winnebago. And a door opened, and out walked Gordon Ramsay. And he said, I've heard what you've said. What do you need? And he was lovely. He was, you know, it's all for TV, all the brushness and the swearing, but he was the absolute perfect English gentleman. Kind, caring, photos, voice drops, quick in... I mean, he was just lovely. Absolutely lovely. He couldn't have been more perfect. So, still a big fan, even though he's a lot taller than me. He made me look very short and very fat. I wish I could uh, say the same thing about myself, but unfortunately, it's just my shortness and fat that make me look that way. Well, you know, when you get the sort of Ramsey money, you can have people, Jerry, that will, you know, train you, fitness you up. But for you and I, we have to do it ourselves. And I'm looking now at my back door to walk into my back garden. and It's quite a large step. And when I step out of it in a minute, there's my fitness for the day. That's pretty much the way I am. I remember when I went to uh, sign up for the gym, uh, the guy was like, hey, do you want to do a walkthrough and start some exercise? And I'm like, hey, slow down, buddy. I'm still winded from filling out the application. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) That's it. Yeah. Would you sign here, please, Jerry? No, I'm too lazy. You do it. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with that. I'm with you on that. But, you know, Jerry, when we get to our age, well, actually, I mean, obviously, I'm not your age. I might not live that long. But uh, (laughs) when we get to our age, we have to take things slow, don't we? We slow it all down. Absolutely. Phil, I definitely appreciate this more than you realize. Thank you so much for being on the show. And uh, much continued success on the podcast and uh, any future ventures you have. Oh, listen, it's... What I love, Jerry, is people come on, guests interview for Scared, and they're always nervous, and they get to the end of it, and they go, God, that was so much fun. And I said, well, it should be fun. You know, we're, we're, we're just chatting. It's conversation. There's nothing bad going on here. We're not breaking bad news. We're just like you would do in a bar or in a cafe or in the queuing up for the supermarket, uh, you know, at the, uh, at the checkout. It, it should be a conversation, and I think we've done that today. It's It's been lovely. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate your time, Phil. Wow. How about 
Phil Holmes. I mean, is he the man or not? I'm telling you, I absolutely love the show. Uh, he's got a group up. It's Scared uh, Podcast uh, on Facebook. Get in there and join that group. He puts a lot of cool stuff. There's some stories up there. He lets you know about upcoming shows. But get in there and listen to that. Uh, I promise you guys will be every bit as happy as what I am. And if, if that doesn't convince you, I, I, nothing will. So let's do some shout-outs real quick. I've got a couple uh, of uh, people that, that just started listening to the show, and they've actually contributed. Some of them have sent me some stories that we're going to start using. First one is going to be Julie Carson from Minnesota. Thanks, Julie, for coming on. Uh, Paige Corber, she's from Indiana. Alan Person from North Carolina. I should have already done Alan's. He's been there a while. Another one I should have already done is Michelle Rodriguez from California and Max Wallace from Wisconsin. Thank you guys so much for, for being here. Now we got a couple uh, from the uh, out, outer countries that I always like to bring up from out in the world. Uh, these three are all from in- India. So I will butcher these names tremendously, as I always do. Raya Singh, Harry Rollin, and Namrata Donger. And I chose that one because her last name is Donger. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. But, guys, we're going to get out of here, man. We appreciate it. Keep those iTunes reviews up. Like I said, if you want to send us a tip or a donation or something, just go to our uh, uh, website, and you can do that and help the show out a little bit. Uh, We thank you so much. Remember, next week we're going to have Richard McLean Smith from Unexplained. If you haven't listened to his podcast Find it. You will absolutely love it. We will see you guys next week. See you guys next week. Have a great week and love one another. They would like to thank you folks for kindly dropping in. You're all invited back next week to this locality to have a heaping helping of their hospitality. Hillbilly, that is. Y'all come back now. Here.